Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. Our guest today is Pau Quevedo. Pau is the lead programmatic trading at Good Game Studios. I'm thrilled to have Pau on the show today because he's had tremendous success with programmatic both on web and mobile platforms for many, many years. I couldn't think of anyone better to speak to about how the programmatic ecosystem is going to be impacted by the impending IDFA deprecation. I'm very excited to welcome Pau Quevedo to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Pau, welcome to the show. Hey, Shaman. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I hope we have a nice session. Absolutely. Definitely thrilled to have you because when we've spoken prior to this recording, I've found a lot of your inputs very insightful. And of course, you do come very highly recommended. For those reasons, I'm thrilled to dive into how programmatic is evolving and how it could change come September, come the post-IDFA regime. All of this is something I'm excited to dive into with you today. Right. Uh, yeah. And a good place to start, perhaps, would be what what would you say are some of the key challenges that marketers face while doing user acquisition on programmatic today? Mm-hmm. Well, programmatic means basically the automation of advertising. You know? So inside the programmatic um, ecosystem, we, we use the DSP tools to, in order to, to buy traffic. And there's basically two types of DSPs, what we call manage and self. And right now, the biggest challenge that we see in the industry is to actually make self work as manage does. Manage kind of manage and they, they were able to compete with the, with the duopoly and all the other plays around. But for self has been a challenge for some. Even some companies actually try to in-house fully the DSP activities, even building their own bidder. And eventually they realized that it, of the difficulty that it embraced. So they moved into a retargeting solution for the programmatic. So programmatic has been working largely on the web space for retargeting and for branding. Performance was a bit harder. And in the mobile ecosystem, we work mostly with performance. So that's a bit harder as well. And uh, inside that chunk of performance, the main driver of performance nowadays, in my opinion, is the device graph that the partners have, right? So for self-DSPs that I was mentioning before, it, it has been historically really hard for them to create a, a device graph compared to the managed services. And that has been one of the main challenges, actually making self work. Yeah. For clarity and understanding, can you define what a self-serve DSP is? How does it differ from a managed DSP? And why a self-serve DSP would not have a device graph? Okay. The difference between the, to go one level above, the difference between an app network, let's say, and a DSP would be the app network is selling on CPI and the DSP is selling on a CPM. 
between the manage and the self, both, both would be selling on CPM. CPM is the one that dictates it's your buying on a DSP on a, program, on a programmatic environment. Um, out of those two, the main difference would be that in the manage, they actually are running the campaigns themselves, okay? You just upload the creative, send them a couple of emails, send you your payouts, and then adjust it. And they will run the whole show. And you would get some sort of learnings in terms of the transparency, where they've been serving, what's pub ID, and maybe which, which uh, exchange. Whereas in the self, you will be doing everything on your own. And theoretically, the main, main difference is that they manage, what they do is that they create a device graph, which means that they understand the idea phase, the, what each device is doing, and then they would know who is paying no, of the different idea phase. Whereas in the self, they're not doing that. And what they do is that they have machine learning tools that actually take data points made from your own campaign, and they model those data points in order to estimate conversion rates or uh, CPAs, and then they bid accordingly to that. No? And that would be the main difference. The truth is that the self don't use a device graph because they don't profile the IDFAs like the managed do. And maybe because if you are actually going to be running your own campaigns, if you are using a device graph, what's the point of targeting? I don't care which app I'm targeting because it's all about the user. So it's hard for us to say, oh, I'm going to run in self a device graph because the device graph is actually doing the job. It's doing the whole targeting and everything. So it would be like, uh, it wouldn't make sense, so to say. And then there's another solution, which is the bidder. And that solution, what it implies, that it's a self-platform. And the main difference with the self-platforms is that the self-platform, you will get an algorithm that has been trained by the different advertisers that, that are advertising on this DSP. Whereas if you go to the bidder, your algorithm will only be optimizing and getting knowledge based on the data of your com- campaign. And that is the main difference between them two. Got it, got it. And when you say in-house in your programmatic, does that involve running on a sensor platform or running with a bidder or it could be either? It could be either. The truth is that fully in-house in programmatic is the bidder, okay? Yeah. That's, that's the real truth. But we are fine as long as like, we feel that self, the self-platforms could, come, could kind of be like an in-housing solution. But the real truth is that the bidder is the one that gives you the full control. It would be a yeah. bit like it would be a, like manage. You don't get control, but you don't get risks, all right? Because they are running the, the whole show. You move into self, you have a bit more control, but you have a bit more risk. And then the full the the next step would would be you get full control but full risk, and it's way harder gotcha. because normally in the bidders they don't give you an algorithm. You have to basically tailor it made on your own because you have to sure. customize it. And that it's only for big companies or if you actually have uh, a need for it, okay? Right, right. And now in starting September, the device graph is going to go away. So how does this ecosystem that you just described, how does it change between managed, self-serve and bidders? A uh, very good question and, and tough one. I've actually tried all, all three formats, right? And in my, in my journey trying to in-house programmatic, what I've basically done is I've been comparing those, those three elements. So I have an idea of what, of what is the difference. The difference is basically that they manage with the device graph, they perform way better, and the other ones don't. That's a clear one. 
And the way that it's going to be now is that until now, we have these machine learning models in which they told us, oh, in the bitstream, you get a bit request with 150 keys, 200 keys of information, and then we model those. But we know that the most important in piece of information was the IDFA, which was the deterministic information, right? We knew something about this IDFA. Where all the others, although they are deterministic because it's, it's an iPhone, that I believe that the iPhone will pay is a probabilistic one. So there's like two environments, probabilistic and deterministic. Right now, we are, some of us, the managed, are more into the deterministic, even the Facebook guys. The self are more into the probabilistic because we don't understand this idea phase. So what the next step will be for the managed ones is that, first of all, they have very robust models. They have the idea phase. They understand the, the other set of strings, that other set of keys that come along with that um, a string. So for some time, they will be able to still perform because their models will take time to wear off. That's obvious. And they will do whatever they can by enriching them with fingerprinting information, enriching them with the 20% of people who would actually accept those prompts on, on the Apple. They will somehow manage to make those models live longer, right? And, but at some point, they will die off. So what's going to happen then? So then they are going to have to go and model all the other keys that are within the IDFA. And in that moment is when we are all in the same level. So in that moment, we can all say, okay, now we have to uh, model uh, with our ML techniques, and then we'll see who is a better one or who is able to have more advertisers, get more data, and model better. That would be a solution. But I believe that there will be some sort of cracking solution that we will not get there. Because the truth is that uh, modeling just the, those key elements that you get in the bit re request, it's going to be really hard to compete against someone who actually knows the player for yeah. Facebook. So the gap is going to get way bigger and let's see what happens uh, there was uh, i don't know there's a lot of in the industry i i've been doing web for some time i've been following people like ari paparo and i work with peaceworks as well like in the industry some people are saying that the whole ml modeling still has to be proved that it works okay because until now we've been running mostly with the adfa thing cookie syncing but let's see now what real happens when it's all pure ml if this is actually going to perform, I still have to see that because I've been running those such products like a Bither, and it just was so bad in performance compared to the managed ones with the IDFAs. There's such a big gap that I don't know. They still have to prove it, honestly. Yeah. Would you say that the self-serve and the Bither solutions were so bad that for the vast majority of advertisers, it wouldn't even work? Would it, wouldn't even be ROI positive? Or do you feel like they're bad, but they could be some part of the mix going forward? I believe those self work for retargeting, but if we only focus on UA, I believe you can get some pockets. You can find some stuff. Like uh, before, one of the pockets before was lab users, because actually you can target those and use fingerprinting, okay? Lower CPM. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be everyone yeah. now. That was one of the pockets. Uh, app, uh, iPad, or maybe doing some sort of analysis of day parting or playing around smartly with the waterfalls within the different publishers. There were some caveats that you can actually use, but uh, they were not scalable. And I have, at least in Europe, I have good connections with some other gaming companies and other advertisers regarding programmatic, no? And the truth is that I find very, very, very small number of uh, advertisers I'm just going to put it very small, that actually are running at scale UA in a self-platform, it's really hard to find them. Unless there are those that are, have like very strong IPs. But for all the others that we are like pure DR marketing, DSP right now, 
in housing it is a real challenge gotcha and it's going to get much harder it's going to get yeah it's going to get much harder but at least i mean like david like david says um <coughs> it's not that you fail when you run self dsp the problem is what you compare it to right right we we, we are comparing to facebook right. we are not going to be there right before before if i go to my superior and say look this self dsp brings us this roi this manage brings us this roi they will say go to a manage what is this okay yeah but but now in let's say six months when the models were out of the management i think self dsps are going to have a bit of like same situation as the manage and maybe we have a shot yeah 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 that definitely makes sense and the gap is going to reduce it's going to be a more level playing field as we go forward it sounds like yeah and obviously what's going to become critical going forward is how you evaluate your partners because the device graph or the past experience becomes much less relevant so how do you recommend that marketers should evaluate potential programmatic partners going forward what mm-hmm. might be some of the questions they might ask in the post idea favor to form this evaluation yeah. Yeah, uh, just to clarify, pre-IDFA world with our main focus when we actually uh, onboard a partner or we actually talk to them is to find out if they're doing the device graph somehow. If they are looking at user level data, okay? To what extent? How many keys of the of the log level data are they actually modeling? Are they only doing contextual? And that was one of the main questions, right? And right now that one is out. So that we understand that the importance of that one is a bit out so Now uh, normally people would ask stuff like uh, what is the how do you call like the analytics or like uh, reporting or the campaign setup I don't really care about any of that as long as it performs the important thing would be if we are now shifting to an ml environment where they are going to be modeling the stream data you want to have first of all that they are listening to as much data as possible that means the qps the queries per second that the dsp is connected to how how many bits are they listening per second and you want them to have as much as possible uh, secondly you want them to have other advertisers that are similar to you so that they have algorithms that are trained in similar advertisers to yours okay and yeah those would be like the main elements but uh, and it all will depend on the algorithm they can tell you whatever they want about how the algorithm is better than the others at the end you have to test it because it's really hard to to know you can ask them questions like how often do you refresh it uh, what kind of a uh, regression model are you using can give you some insights right uh, or how many keys are you actually modeling or how do you go from the install to the payment how do you move down the the funnel how does your algorithm take that into account because some of them go event by event some of them what they do is that they aggregate the different events and they like um they blend them no and you can ask those questions but uh, the most important one until now has been is it user level data or not and yeah. that will probably go away now yeah and when you speak of the other keys in the bit stream that they can model their performance off of can you share any examples of what some of these parameters yeah. might be absolutely we normally in in this one it will come formation of the impression it will come stuff like what device it is what brand what's the size of the screen uh how many megabytes of ram do they have how many even how much space do they have left on the phone and for depending on the vertical you will be interested in different ones right let's say if you're in the food industry you might be more interested in 
I don't know, like the location exactly, the GPS. No? For gaming, particularly, we're very interested in the device, time of the day, publisher. Yeah, we model around six of seven. That's, that's what I've done until now. And I found it not that much. I would have hoped to model even more. No? And the more you can model, the, the better. But yeah, around those five or six is the ones that we've been doing. Yeah. In some ways, this is going to become much like you operate with the SDK networks, right? Or would that be inaccurate to assume that? That's interesting because somebody was mentioning that the other day, right? It will be very similar to the SDK networks, but the SDK networks work on a historical weekly CPM. So historical network, how they do is that they calculate what they earned the last week and they set up a expected CPM for this. And they are not real time and they are not going for each user. So they actually don't really care about the lock level data in that regard. They don't use that. They might use some keys like phones, like carriers or device phone or like some things like that, but they don't model out that so much and they are not users because they go into like, they just pack it. They just pack exactly. it. So exactly. So it's not exactly like that, but they yeah. got a point. They, they, they do have a point there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the similarity definitely does stand out. Right. And you do programmatic buying on the web and mobile both. Mm-hmm. So how does your experience buying programmatic media on the web inform how things might change with programmatic on mobile post-IDFA? Well, in the programmatic web, this was, was announced earlier, and this was properly announced, right? They actually said, look, in March 21st, in March 2021, third-party cookies will be out. You guys have to find a solution. They didn't eradicate it, like because what they what what has happened here is a bit different, and the solutions there are mostly circling around the publisher. They want the publisher to actually enrich their first-party data, to structure their first-party data, and to that way they can send signals to us that we know that that user is valuable, not because we know the user, but because the publisher says so, and I trust them. Okay. So in the web environment, they are coming up with five solutions. One will be go back to contextual, okay. The other one will be first party data, guys, build that up. The other one would be they're working on some sort of SSP, DSP collaboration, bypass, and we can make it like to actually pass more data that we can actually mix and match it. I heard there are similar approaches in the mobile vertical. I heard about that. Then they have the panels, which I'm not very familiar with. It's more for big companies. And then they have that Google recently announced that through ML, they're able to think when an iOS conversion has actually taken place. They can actually attribute that through ML. And they, because in the web environment, what is mostly worrying the advertisers is apart from the retargeting, which is going to be complicated, it's the frequency capping. That's the most, um, the biggest element. And they need that. They need the cookies in order to understand the, co- the frequency and to cut that. And that is for branding campaigns is extremely important. So um, Google actually said that they can actually, through ML, uh, determine the frequency capping. So they have different solutions, but they don't have any that works really. The only one that actually ticks on all the boxes, like we'll be able to retarget, we'll be able to target first-party data, third-party data, et cetera, et cetera. It's the, it's the one that I mentioned that the SSP and the DSP will somehow communicate. Yeah, and it's basically uh, bypassing the the in our, in our case of mobile the MMP right saying look yeah. we do yeah. it yeah, yeah, yeah. and 
I've heard that MOPA might be working with solutions like that and other SSPs uh, exchanges. Yeah, yeah. And to just to pick on one aspect of your answer, when you say first party data, can you elaborate on that? Uh, the first party data, I mean that um, to go to an app monetization, I'm also in charge of app monetization at uh, Good Game Studios. So uh, to take it to our world, that would mean that we actually, um, we would have to understand our users and the same way that we actually kind of like cluster them between engagement and frequency. That's how we in the app monetization world do it. We'll do it even more. We would try to find out more about our own users. And then when we're going to show our rewarded video, then we can actually tell the guys, hey, look, this user, you don't know much about him, but we know much, but we know so much and we just give it to you through a PMP deal or something. So we actually capitalize on our first party data would be a way to take the power back to the publisher, okay? Believe in the industry that there is one fundamental thing in the industry, in the internet industry, and that is that content is being paid by advertisers, okay? And I don't care what happened with the IDFA. That is something that is there. People are not willing to pay for content nowadays. They're willing to see ads instead of paying for that content. Yeah. So if, if we agree that that's like the gravity of the whole internet, yeah. That will apply here still. So that means that if I want to make more money out of my content, I also have to work on who is watching that content. How do I cluster them? And this will also mean that bigger companies will have a, a bigger shot at it. And we know from the web that all these news companies, now they are being making a big umbrella so they can have all the first-party data united into one, and now they can do their retargeting and they can do the selling much in a much more efficient way. And that is eventually what will happen in the post-IDFA world is that the big companies are going to be benefited out of this in comparison to mm -hmm. When you say first-party data, that could be maybe CNN saying, aha, uh -huh, this is one million of our most engaged users. You won't, we won't tell you who they are, but we will let you target them. Is that exactly. roughly how it would work? Exactly. And we will put you on a different floor. Uh, we'll send you a PNP deal and we'll do a business, you know? Um, but you won't see who they are. Okay, that makes sense. And they would probably have a different unique identifier like email IDs internally. Exactly. They will, uh, CNN will understand who their users are, who is more valuable to them. And then they would actually tell us, hey, you want the best ones? Look alike, 10 bucks uh, CPM paid. Got it, got it, got it. And on mobile, something very similar could happen just with IDFV. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how it would be with the PMP deals, but I think we are moving towards that kind of industry because you can actually do that. I mean, we yeah. can actually uh, talk to an ad to a publisher and tell them, hey, I want you to put me on top of your waterfall and you can cut deals like that. And that would be the, the idea now. Right, right. Interesting. And, you know, you, you spoke about, look, content is paid for by advertisers and that's the essential reality of how the ecosystem works. Now that the advertiser has less of a guarantee of performance without the IDFA, the performance is getting worse. How do you think that changes CPMs and conversions or mm -hmm. just the broad advertiser ecosystem in the short term and long term? Okay, from moving from a deterministic to a probabilistic, what we're doing here is we're introducing noise into the, into the decision-making, right? The moment we have more noise, if we look at the CPIs, the CPIs is basically, it's a mixture of the CPI and the, and the CVR. So if we look only at the CVR, 
I can expect that we don't know the conversion rates of the users so much. Okay? We don't understand those RDFAs so much. We only understand the, the, the publisher where it's being served. So I could imagine that CPS go up because we have less information on the users. Okay? Uh, but on the other hand, I believe CPMs will go down because as we know less from the users, we'll not be able to bid so high on them because we don't know them. Right now, CPMs also go up. It's because, hey, I know this RDFA is good. I don't care if I'm being 80, 90, 100 bucks when I'm bidding on it, okay? But right now, if we don't have that, that will bring a, a downtrend in the whole CPM industry. But I also believe CPIs will go up because of what I just said, because there's more noise into the auction regarding of the knowledge of the users. So those two elements, I, I, I want to see. I believe in CPMs will go down and CPIs will go up. That means that the effect of the, of the noise in the conversion rate that we don't know will be higher than the drop in the CPM. Interesting. Yeah. And very many variables, very many things that will shake up, that shape up over the next couple of months, as we will see. Uh, wow, this is fascinating. Uh, I certainly learned a lot. And this is certainly something I'm going to think about as we get closer to September. And this is perhaps a good place for us to start to wrap up. As we wrap, can you tell us how people can find out more about you and everything you do? Uh, yeah, I work at Good Games um, Studios. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Pau Quevedo. I'm always open to a nice talk about UA and sharing. And I believe that one, one, one thing that we mentioned before is that you mentioned how should we pick a, a partner in this post-IDFA, no? One of, the, uh, one of the things I forgot to mention is that I am actually looking for a partner that will actually help me navigate this madness. I'm looking for someone who's going to be prepared for this, who understands and who I can partner with. One of the big issues that I found with the DSPs was that they had a lot of focus on the ML, on the algorithm, but they, they didn't focus on the supply chain, okay? On understanding what's going on here, the supply path optimization, that kind of thing. And I believe that partnering with someone who understands the ecosystem the best will probably help you get better after this storm that is about to hit us. And uh, that's one, ad one advice I would give is don't just look, uh, like try to partner with someone, try to learn with them, try to, to make them learn with you. And that's, that's probably my best advice. Into that. Indeed. Indeed. And we will, of course, uh, put all of this out in the transcript and the show notes. So now, Pao, uh, thank you so much for being on this show. Excited to put this out into the world very soon. Okay. Thanks to you, Shaman. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If any of this was helpful or instructive, I would love for you to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast takes a ton of time, effort, and love to produce, and I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share. Thank you for listening, and I will look forward to sharing our next episode soon.